Hi, this is Armin Shimmerman. I played Quark on Deep Space Nine. You're listening to Trekmate. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Trekmate podcast. Its continuing mission to entertain, enlighten, educate, and talk all things Trek. To boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack all hands battle station. Don't worry, we will get to the bottom of this. All right. As is a tall ship and a star to steer by. I don't want excuses, I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? How do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready. Hello and welcome to Trekmate. My name's Wayne Emery. Unfortunately, uh, Matt can't be with us at the moment. He's having to take a little bit of time away from the podcast. But if uh, anyone wants to get in touch with him, make sure that you uh, send him lots of hugs and kisses through Twitter, uh, at QB. Uh, tell him how much you're missing him. And uh, I'm, hopefully he'll be back at some point in the near future. Though I have managed to wrangle somebody to help me out today. Hello, Wayne. I'm back. <laughs> That's the thing. Anyone who has been listening longer than four weeks will recognise them uh, subtle, beautiful tones of Mark Stamper. <laughs> hello, hello. It's great to be uh, talking to you again, mate. It's been yeah, so it's long. been it's been so long since we've done a podcast together. I can't even remember the last time. It Probably was March, me- March last year. You're kidding. I was going to say it was around May or something like that. Is it no, really March? It was March because it was. Uh, I think actually, I'm not sure if it, the last one I was on, you was on as well, because th- uh, it might have even been February. Wow! It might be in February because uh, we was going to record together in March, and then that happened. Oh yes, of course, your finger, yeah. And then that's the thing that that made me incapacitated for a long while, and then the loop just slowly breaks down. But that's it, we've been going uh, back strong, and it's great to have you back on the show, mate. No, it's good to be back. It's good to be back. So, uh, and si- uh, since we last spoke to you, you've been uh, really busy. Whole yeah. New yeah, a whole, a whole new sort of, well, not a whole new life, but a whole new work life, certainly. So, um, uh, yeah, so a lot of uh, people who've listened to the pod for a long time and who know me and people who follow me on Twitter will know that um I changed jobs uh, in December, so I got made redundant from my last job at the end of October. Um, but it's all right. I've worked there for 16 years, and they paid me off quite nicely to leave. Um, but luckily, I managed to find a, a better job, um, more money, just better company, etc. Um, so I found that actually before I left. So I took the whole of November off, had a, had a lovely month off, um, was kept busy. Um, but then I started my new job uh, in Wimbledon, on the 1st of December, so that's commuting into and out of London every day, which um, is, it's not too bad, I mean, it's its a longer day, the commute's quite good, uh, I can sit and read on the train and listen to podcasts or music and, you know, watch stuff on the iPad if I want to. Um, I, I was going to contest that a little bit, because the last few days I have seen nothing but emails about people taking up legroom. 
Oh well, you do get you do get that. You do get people with leg room. I think everyone uh, bitches about the train, but um, as long as you can get a seat, it's you know I can just sort of go into my own little world, and uh, it's uh, it's actually not too bad. Good. But it, it makes it makes for long days, so it makes uh, it makes things really busy. And uh, yeah, so I started that on the first of December. I was in the office for a week, and then they sent me off to Seattle for two weeks for training. So uh, that was really cool. That was Excellent. really cool. And then I came back and had two weeks off for Christmas, and then since then it's just been. Uh, I mean, January's gone so quickly. I can't believe we're in February already. I know the the year has just flown past. Absolutely flown past. I'm glad that it's going well for you, mate. Ah, oh, thank you. Yeah, it's um, it's good. Sometimes is it changes what the heart needs when yeah, it comes definitely. to work at least. I mean, I've been um, I've been thinking about sort of moving on for, to be honest, a couple of years, but it was comfortable and it was easy, and I just sort of thought, well, I don't need to. And then they made me redundant, and it was like the kick up the ass sometimes that you need to actually do something. And I've ended up with something much better, so it mm-hmm. it all turned out for the for, for the better really. Just yeah. a more just a more interesting job and a more challenging job and more money, which is nice. But also, so you do sometimes just get in that rut when you're when you've worked somewhere for so long that it does become too comfortable. Yeah, yeah, so. absolutely. So, uh, yeah, changes uh, change has been a good thing. Uh, it's busy, as I said, but my day goes really, really quickly. Uh, doesn't leave an awful lot of time for for other things such as podcasting, etc., which which is a shame. But uh, but there you go. Yeah, I know that's the thing. I know that uh, people are uh, like uh, like keen to listen to Two to Beam Up again. But as we were talking uh, before we started, it's it's a hell of a lot putting together a show such as Two to Beam Up. So it's understandable. Yeah, it's not one of those. I mean, this is a little bit off the cuff, isn't it? We just started talking five, ten minutes ago, or whatever, and we'll just we'll just make it up as we go along. But um, doing two to beam up was, I mean, it's quite a lot. It's a good few hours prep beforehand, and then recording, and then editing, and then you know, I don't have time in the evenings to do it, and then weekends are always just busy doing stuff with the kids. So I'm gonna try. I am gonna try and get back to it, but um, uh, I think maybe once things have settled down a little and we've got things more into a, a routine, then maybe Kirsty and I will come back. Yeah, no, well, that's the thing. Um, yeah, I'll be uh, keen to listen to uh, new episodes when they do eventually drop, but that's the thing. It, it, some, it, you have to prioritise other things. But mm, by all means, if you ever want some off-the-cuff podcasts in Trekmate stores, always open, Mark. <laughs> I'll remember that. <laughs> so, uh, so Before we start anything, in the last episode, I was going to give somebody a shout-out, but then absolutely forgot to after I... Uh, Looked at, uh, remembered what his name was. So I want to uh, just apologise and say uh, uh, hi to Chris Drinkwater. No relation of Paul's, uh, as he uh, got in contact and us how much he enjoyed the show. Uh, that and he had been listening from quite early on. That was oh, okay. the first time that he had uh, got in contact. So uh, hi, Chris. Hello, Chris. Uh, and you might not know who I am. Oh but no, hello, no, anyway, Chris. Oh, he's, he's that long a listener. Okay. All right. No, he's been listening since uh, like the drink water days. Oh, okay, but, that is a while. Yeah, even before Stamper arrived. Wow, that is so, early. Yeah, so he's an early adopter, which which is always nice to hear people get in contact mm. uh, after they've been listening for a while or if they're new listeners. It's always nice. So, okay, today's subject is since it was Brent Spiner's birthday this past Monday. Uh, we thought we'd discuss uh, the one and only data. Yay, data. 
Yeah, no, because that's the thing. Starfleet's only serving uh, Android. Yeah, and probably, I would say, of all the characters in TNG, he's probably the most popular. Would you say? I think when if you if you did a snap survey of TNG fans, who's your favourite character? I bet Data is probably number one or number two there. I would say. I would say I would say it's probably definitely between him and uh, Cap- uh, Picard. Mm. Would you say Picard would be uh, like joint number one or number two or? Uh, possibly. I mean, I I would probably struggle to say who was my favourite character. I mean, I always did really like Data. I still really do like Data. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like Picard, but I don't know. As awesome as he is, and as awesome as Patrick Stewart is. He just didn't have as many episodes dedicated to him. He was just always there. He was just always there and solid, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's certainly not, not saying anything against him at all. Um, but he didn't have anywhere near as many episodes dedicated no, no. to him as, as Data did. Um, I also, I've also sort of had a funny on-off relationship with Wesley Crusher as well. When TNG was first on, I thought he, you know, because I was a teenager at the time, I thought Wesley Crusher was really great. And then as I got a bit older, I thought, no, he's really irritating. And uh, now I actually quite like him again. Well, that's the thing. Uh, I don't think you can hold anything against the uh, uh, the character, like uh, Wesley, for being this annoying uh, little pipsqueak that saves the day every yeah, so often. It's just the way he was written. It's the way he was written. It's yeah. <laughs> it's uh, certainly not Will Wheaton's fault. He yeah. played it to the best of his abilities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I've seen Will Wheaton doing other things and heard him talk at conventions and. Um, listen to a few of the podcasts he's done. You know, I've got a, a, a lot of respect for him. So um, I'm a I'm I'm a sort of more of a Wesley fan than he used to be. But I mean, I, w- I would probably say getting back to data, since that's what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. We did on a side digression, I would say he's probably my favourite TNG character, and I think a lot of people would would probably tend to agree with that. Um, if I was going to say my favourite TNG character, I probably <laughs> back in the day it was Riker. Yeah, I, I do like Riker. Yeah, he's yeah. Got, he can lean on chairs like nobody else. That's the thing. The Riker pose is infamous. I I don't know, but that's the thing. I think I would have said Worf, but Worf for me really came out of his shell more so in DS9. Yeah, if, yeah. If, because it was almost like he was the token Klingon. Yeah. On TNG, that yeah, he got plenty of. Stories dedicated to him, but they were always exploring the uh, like the Klingon yeah. side. It wasn't more about him personally. So, uh, and I would say, I'd say, yeah, Data was he was up there, probably like joint joint second with Riker, and I think Picard was my favourite. But I totally understand where you're coming from because Picard never got as many um, episodes. Dedicated to like exploring his personal side. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, it's it, it's quite understandable because obviously data was introduced, if you think, right the way back to the beginning at, at encounter at Farpoint, and we first see him on the holodeck, and he is introduced, and he's he's very primitive uh, compared to how he was as he, as all as all of the characters were, of course, because it was mm-hmm. the first um, it was the first episode, and you know they, they were just trying to work out what everyone was going to do. Um, but you first see him on that holodeck, and he is very android-like, and he's very, although at this point he's, I think he's around 25 years old, something like that. He's very naive, isn't he? Um, and, he and he grows a hell of a lot in those seven years uh, well, when, when he serves on the Enterprise. And, and you, you see him in that holodeck scene and 
you know, there's, there is that brilliant scene between him and Riker, and it's, you know, Riker calls him Pinocchio, and it's the obvious choice yeah. for him, isn't it? He wants to be a real boy, because he just, I would gladly give it all up to be human. And yeah. that's just that's just his journey, isn't it? Well, that's the thing. I think, out of all of the characters, he's definitely the character that you can see his journey most, uh, like, throughout uh, the seasons, because he, he's... He's the one character that is continually trying to grow mm. and enhance himself and become something new. Mm. I mean, Riker's just happy to be number one for the rest of his life until <laughs> Card dies. Yeah, so. it takes him like, oh, it's probably about ten years before he eventually goes to the Titan, maybe even more, isn't it? Mm. He's just, obviously, I'm never going to get the Enterprise and then finally takes the Titan at the end of Nemesis. And, and you know he only done that because Troy was really digging him in the ribs about it. Yeah, yeah. We're going to need to get married, and I want to be married to a captain, so if you want to marry me, you've got a captain, a starship. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> exactly. So, though, uh, I, that's the thing. I never understood... I know why they gave Data the a whole very naive uh, personality at the beginning. Uh, because they wanted to make him seem very mechanical, mm. and uh, more so than what, say, Spock was in the original series. Yeah. Uh, but it's it, it it just didn't make sense for me that he did not understand any human terminologies. Yet yeah, he'd all... been in Starfleet for so many years. He'd been around humans for, yeah, like I said, I, th- I think he was around 25 years old, 30 years old at that point. He'd been through Starfleet Academy, which is like four or five years or whatever, and, and mm-hmm. uh, he'd been a Starfleet officer probably for about 15 years, and he'd been around humans and other cultures all that time. And, yes, there was a, very early on, it was just a, a cheap trick of writing, wasn't it, when he didn't understand what um, burn the midnight oil or, or something like, like that meant. Yeah. Um, obviously, you see that right at the end in All Good Things, and it seems that we will be required to ignite the midnight petroleum, sir. You know, just things like that. And he would, you know, um, Picard says to him, you know, we're going to snoop around. Snoop? He doesn't understand the word snoop. And then he comes, then he just reels it off like a dictionary. I mean, it was a running joke. Um, I think they probably got rid of that by the end of season one, I think, didn't they? They, Yeah. It was just a a cheap trick. But I think that's just a a sign of the times, of the writing. And... uh, well, if you took everybody from their season one persona, I don't think anybody would come off favourably. No. Because no. let's face it, if season one of TNG aired now, it would not get a second season. It probably wouldn't even get past five or six episodes, to be honest. Yeah. Um, as much as I love TNG, season one is n- is not brilliant. No. Out of 25, just... 26 episodes, there's probably only about five or six which are good, which I would consider good, and there's there's quite a few which are mediocre, and there are some which are just downright awful. Yeah, um, don't get me wrong. I always enjoy watching season one. It's just I think a part of me enjoys some of the poorer episodes more on a nostalgia factor. Yes, than the fact that they're actually any good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like those really cheesy episodes of the original series, and there are some that are really bad, but you just you just like them because you know, yes, it's awful, but well, it's still Star Trek, isn't it? So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that's it. so. What uh, for me? I think the first time that what did you think when they introduced law? Um, Sticking with season one. 
I was never really a big fan of law, to be honest. I think the, I think the whole evil twin thing is a cheap trick of writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's interesting, but the evil twin, cheap writing, cheap trick. Um, I was going to say, was was that their way of uh, trying to put a spin on uh, Mirror Mirror without doing an alternate universe? I'd never quite thought of it like that, but that's a good point, actually. Or maybe more so the uh, episode in uh, TOS when Kirk has the transporter accident. Oh, the enemy within, and he becomes the two people. Yeah, yeah. Side and the good side. Yeah, that's that's an interesting point. Um, I mean, that whole thing of obviously they find Law and they put him together, and then we'll, we'll jump right forward to Nemesis, and and they find B four, and they're saying, mm-hmm. you know, that they're amazed at this thing, and it's like, hang on a minute, have you completely forgotten about Law? They yeah. they ignored all of that um, bad writing. Don't like Nemesis, but um, I mean, that first episode isn't particularly good. Later episodes, when Law turns up. When he turns up in Brothers, I really like the episode. Mm-hmm. And then he turns up again in Descent, doesn't he? Yes. And as much as I, I love Data and I love the Borg, Descent is not good. <laughs> they are not a good a good pair of episodes. Um, I really don't enjoy them. I think that's another one of them episodes that I enjoy more for a nostalgia factor because I I remember watching that on Sky with my brother and waiting for the conclusion yeah. to come on and uh, at the time I did enjoy it and now I just think it's mm, it's okay yeah yeah it's, it's okay, not but awful it's, but it's yeah and I, I think that whole thing I mean I'd heard about this that data joined forces with the Borg and it's like wow you know that's like that's really cool or you know that's really that's yeah. going to be how they're going to get their way out of that one so I know what you mean um, I'm waiting for the conclusion yeah. Um, but yeah not a brilliant not a brilliant episode, but no, not a brilliant episode in the slightest. But as I said, for me, uh, in a few times in the past, for me, what makes me dislike an episode most is if I get bored. Yeah, by and, you, and you start like looking at your phone or reading yeah. the paper or doing something when it's on. Yeah, yeah. If it, I've watched it, a few episodes like that. Yeah, if it's a bit crappy in places, or I don't particularly like the way the storylines uh, going. Like I'll. I normally find something I enjoy, and I was like, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay, but then it's only if I ever get bored to tears that I'm like, no, that's shit. (laughs) Or it really offends me in some way. Yeah, you're just distracted and want to do anything else rather than keep watching it. Yeah. 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 But, I mean, I think the the relationship that Date had with Law was, was interesting in that, you know, he did think of him as a brother, and he did, you know, at the end of Brothers when... Law steals the emotion chip and gets even worse and then disappears. And, mm-hmm. you know, Beverly says to, to, to Data, you know, brothers forgive because there's the two little boys on the ship. Um, you know, and you see that look in Data's face. So he had a sort of, I don't know if it's a loving relationship. It depends how, if you if you want to ascribe emotions to Data or not. I, I'm of the opinion that Data always had emotions. But he didn't. He, did, he, necess- he didn't necessarily know that he had them, or he didn't understand them. But I, I'm. I subscribe to the fact that he was a lot more human than he actually thought. Yeah. No. I would say that he. Uh, he. He definitely experienced uh, like uh, their, uh, like feelings as such, but had no comprehension mm. of how to recognise them or categorise them mm. within. Yeah, because he was tied down to a computer program. 
yeah. in some ways, yeah. In some ways, obviously, he did move beyond his programming. Um, but I suppose that leads us on to, I mean, some of the relationships that Data had. He had a, he had a, a wide variety of friendships, mm-hmm. and uh, some, some more intimate than others, shall we say? We're going to have to bring this up at some point. Certainly fully functional, if that's what you're getting at. That's exactly what I was getting at. So right in episode two, so well, first episode after the pilot, um, you know, straight in there with Tasha Yar. Um, or she, well, it, I mean, she led, she led him. It's, I mean, she led him. You know, she led him on. Um, it was all. Uh, it was all her doing, wasn't it? But he no. certainly did. He certainly. She didn't have to hold a phaser to his head. That's for sure. No, and that's just, I never understood why in that episode they um, made it so that Data actually contracted the same thing as the crew. <sighs> yeah, I, th- I think it's just because it was funny. Yeah. So you can that... see him sort of do that thing and he, and he falls over, doesn't he? He puts his yeah. arm out and does the Del Boy. Um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. But obviously he had this this fling, if you want to call it that, with, uh, with Tasha Yar. Yeah. You never saw him too much... With her again, really. No, but, but obviously she was she was very special to him because if you remember the end of Skin of Evil when she died and he talks to Troy and he says my thoughts aren't of her but of me and how mm-hmm. you know how empty I'll feel without her. Maybe I've missed the point and she says no, you've completely got it. Yeah. Um, and then later on, of course, the Measure of Man we find out he has the little hologram, mm-hmm. the little hologram sculpture, a thingy of her. So obviously she she was she was special to him as he as exactly. He and you you can't exactly say that. Uh, like if Data hadn't uh, had, uh, because you're absolutely right. There was no sort of inclining after the uh, after episode two that mm. he had any sort of emotional ties to her uh, until the end of Skin of Evil. And is he very much definitely did care for her. I just don't. It, once again, I think it comes back to. His brain didn't know how to assign those feelings. Yes. As like, I have a crush on her. I have uh, like extremely strong feelings for her. Is just uh, I think that's where the emotion chip kicks in and just aligns all the pathways, mm. making mm. things clear for him. Mm. But I think I mean we 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 got to talk about we'll go on to a bromance I think. So obviously mm. Data's best friend was of course Spot. <laughs> Geordie, of course. I mean, those two seem. I, I think they just seem to. I mean, obviously, in the first season, they sat next to each other. Um, mm-hmm. You know, one at one at con and one at ops, and obviously they'd spend probably spend a lot of time talking because obviously when you're on the starship, when you when you see an episode, it's always action, isn't it? But the amount of hours they must have just sat there on the way somewhere with nothing to do, just looking. They must have spent a lot of time just talking. So I wonder if that's where they're sort of friendship came from, not just the action stuff and all the scenes we saw in the episode, the fact that they're just sitting next to each other eight, nine hours a day or whatever, just going, yeah, not a lot going on, is there? No, not a lot. You know, it's it's like it's like Chief O'Brien, what does he do all day? You know, you've seen all of, all of that all that stuff on the internet with his typical day and he calls someone, Do you want to beam up yet? No, no, we're fine, thank you and he's just there, stood in his console going just bored. You know, and, and I think that probably would yeah. really be what it would be like on a starship because it you know, it can take in the course of an episode, I mean, you know, the ship travels at the speed of plot, and they can be they can be from here to there anywhere. But you know, we say, oh, it's going to be 18 hours before they're there. So if yeah. they've got a full shift, they're just sat there for eight hours, you know, and they're just, you know, there's not really an emergency going on. They're just travelling there at warp eight to get to some other mission. They're just sat there doing nothing really, aren't they? Just keeping the ship all right. Yeah, it's fine. 
Are we still on yeah. course? Yeah, just make a slight course correction. Right, so what did you do last night then? So they must have just, I, I wonder if that is where the relationship came from, just sat next to each other, just chatting when there was nothing else going on. I think that very probably is, because uh, that's, that's uh, uh, and I think what gives you a snippet of that is just a conversation in uh, Generations where he references a joke that Geordie had made. During the Farpoint mission, yeah. During the Farpoint mission. And I, with Geordie's sort of character, I would have thought that he was just trying to constantly... It, it, you know he would be the guy in the office that would be constantly telling you bad jokes. Yeah, and Data's remembering everyone, and then for the next five years, after Data got his emotion chips and start, starts getting these jokes, he'll be saying to Geordie, hey, I get it, I get it. What do you get? That joke you told on this star date is like, I can't remember that. Yeah. 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 No, exactly. And also, but how much conversation would you have been able to get out of data at that point in time? I think it would have been a very frustrating conversation. But obviously, Geordie saw something in him, and they become, you know, they became close friends and spent a lot of time together on the holodeck. Obviously, as um, Sherlock and Holmes most um, most famously. Mm-hmm. And you know, data once said of. Geordie, if you remember that episode, the next phase where we think Geordie's being killed, yes. uh, which is a great episode, uh, full of full of plot holes, but I still really really like it. It's a great episode, mm-hmm. and he says, I, ne- "I never knew what a friend was until I met Geordie." Yeah, and that's yeah. That's, a, that's I think that's a real uh, a real touching thing for for Data to have said, and that's not the sort of thing you can say unless you have some sort of emotion within you. I think. Yeah. No. Exactly. And that's. Uh... I know uh, anybody who's been listening for longer than any sort of time will know that we've always argued about data sentience. Yes. Uh, but uh, like realistically, I th- I've always uh, thought that data was uh, perfectly sentient. I just like having an argument. Yeah. You just uh, like to play the devil's advocate, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But and the thing is, you know that. I always got the impression with that sort of relationship, Data would have always laid down his life for Geordie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, do you think Geordie clinging on to Data is primarily at the beginning because he's a loner that tries to only sleep with hologram women? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, possibly. I mean, Geordie was... uh, He was unfortunate when it came to uh, affairs of the heart, shall we say, yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. This mechanical robot, he'll never, he'll never leave me. Yeah, well, then he thought, well, you know, maybe he's trying to pick up tips, because obviously really early on, data banged Tasha Yar, so maybe Geordie's thinking, you know, maybe I can pick up some tips from this guy, you know, all I can get is holog- you know, holographic women. He that's must why, be doing something right, yeah. That's maybe why hoped, every maybe other... He was just, data was going to be his wingman, and he could just, like, you know, pick up his cast-offs or something. That's the only reason why Geordie ever used to uh, open up his uh, uh, positronic brain. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, see what, trying to pick his brain. Yeah, pick his brain, see what was going on inside. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I always enjoyed uh, episodes like uh, the Sherlock episode, uh, even so, like because obviously it's an episode that's designed to be like ah, uh, like the computer's going to be smarter than data, but no, data's smarter than the computer. Mm. Uh, but no, it it just it gave you an insight into their off time, mm. which is always fun and uh, to get to see. 
What did you think of his like father-son sort of relationship with Picard? I enjoyed that. I think Data had an enormous amount of respect for Picard, and I think as as the time went by, Picard would in he, he would put himself and I think you're right, father-son or certainly sort of mentor type relationship and. He would often coach and advise Data on things, and I think Data would always go to Picard as someone he could. He was he would respect his opinion. Um, so I I always really enjoyed it. And when you know if we if we go to the measure of a man, and uh, Picard is the obvious person to represent Data, and mm-hmm. I think Picard says to him, you know, if there's anyone else, and he says, sir, you know, I have complete faith in your ability to, um, you know, look after my best interests, and I. I sincerely believe that data thought there was no one better than Picard to defend me. Mm-hmm. And I think it's I think it, Picard has always got data from uh, from uh, the beginning. I think Picard has always had that respect uh, for data. I don't know if that's because Picard sometimes struggles to relate to people that there's almost like this blank canvas mm. that it, that he can actually. Like, uh, like, because out of everybody, Picard probably knows the least when it comes to relating to people out of all of the other crew members, mm. other than Data. Very, yeah, he was always very reserved and, and held back, and maybe he sort of saw, saw that in Data and thought, yeah, someone he can relate to. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, because obviously, where with Picard, it's very much because he put up that barrier, like being a command officer. So it's it, he never needs to worry about overstepping any sort of marks with data. Mm. So he could almost have that father-son relationship with data that he wouldn't have been uh, willing to with other crew members. Mm. That's an that's an interesting point. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna sort of zip forward to a bit. This is another relationship, and it's a very short-lived one. Mm-hmm. And we have to bring her up, and that is of course Lau. Oh, that episode makes me cry every time. It's a great episode. I mean, if you look at season three, which is obviously, most people would agree that season three of TNG is where things really pick up. Yeah. I mean, there were some good episodes. There were one or two in season one. There were actually a lot of episodes in season two that I really liked. But I think season three, you can notice the budget goes up, the sets get better, the writing gets better, they change the uniforms. It just looks like they've put more money and more effort into it and it really shows in some of the scripts. Mm-hmm. But if you think of if you if you look there's two episodes and they follow each other. You've got Yesterday's Enterprise and it's followed straight after with the offspring. And to get two episodes of that caliber next to each other, you watch them both. Very, very different episodes, but both fantastic. Um but yeah, it's an incredible episode. So a very short lived relationship with Lau. And the bit that gets always gets me at the end I know it's, which bit you're gonna. Yeah, you, you know exactly what I'm gonna say. Uh, we've known each other long enough now, for, but she says her, her her brain's dying, and she says, "I love you, father." And he goes to say something, and he, all he says is, "I wish I could feel it with you." And then that's the thing. And then she turns around and says, "I'll feel it for the both of us." Yeah, he totally felt it. He just yeah. couldn't. He just probably didn't know that he did or couldn't. I don't think. Uh, I wouldn't say he was afraid to admit it. Because mm-hmm. he certainly wouldn't be afraid to admit it if he knew that it was there. I think it was there. He just wasn't aware of it and couldn't articulate. You know, didn't understand that that's what he was that he was feeling or that he even was feeling something. Yeah, but the thing is, right? Even though he couldn't articulate or anything, 
if you looked into his eyes, you could see that Brent Spiner played it enough mm. that there was something going on yeah. behind. Yeah, he played it just. He could have. He could have decided to play Data very cold. And that, that, mm. I, I'm not quite sure what they what they said to him. You know, play it like a very robotic android, which would have been awful. Mm. Um, but he put enough of his because Brent Spiner was a very funny guy. You know, he'd, he'd done comedian. He's uh, done comedy work. He's he's a very got a very dry sense of humour. Um, and I think he just put enough of himself in there where you could just see these little things, like you said, in his eyes. And there was just the subtle the subtle timing in the way that Data did things. Um, which just gave him that little bit of edge, which pushed him from being just a, a mere machine or a toaster or just being a you know a box on wheels to being someone that you really believed was human under the surface, human in, in inverted commas. Yeah, and that's the thing I always found. It was it was another episode. It was like the second episode after well, not chronologically, but after Measure of a Man to once again question Data's rights as an android, whether he had the right to procreate. Mm-hmm. Like, whether it, like, despite whether he needed anybody to procreate with or anything, but so the, they wouldn't have questioned any other crew member if another crew member was creating an android. Mm. They, they would just let him get on with it. It's, but with Data, obviously, there's... He was, he was never quite treated exactly the same, was he? No, exactly. He's and also, even though obviously by uh, the 24th century, uh, people have got over race, they've got over sexuality, they've got over all these other barriers, but Data presented a brand new barrier that nobody had considered at that point. So there was plenty. It was a good way of portraying prejudice without actually harping against any of the current day's prejudices. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I, I see what you mean, and, and then later on, of course, they carried that on from into holograms, didn't they? By the time we got to Voyager, oh, androids are—you know—they're old hat, they're fine. But you know, we're cool with androids. We've had data, and then it later went on to be holograms a lot in Voyager, didn't it? Which was mm-hmm. the, really the holographic right show with a doctor, and there were various episodes where holograms showed up and did they have rights? And you know, yeah, you know that that was done to death. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the relationship with Lau, um, I mean, that that whole episode is is for me one of one of Data's standout episodes and one of his, his standout moments. No, oh, definitely, and it's it, I, I don't know if it's it got I think it's got worse since I've had kids, but I always sob at that episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there were there were there were many episodes that I saw as a teenager, which I would probably have thought at the time, oh, that was boring, but I would I would like them a lot better now. Mm-hmm. Um, just not only being not only being a parent, but just being, you know, 25 years older and seeing things differently, and not being a teenager who thinks they know everything, and actually being 40 years old and thinking, actually, you know, I know I know more about life than than I certainly did then. So, yeah, one of those you know episodes like that um, are mm-hmm. you know are, mean more to me than the, probably they did. Um, whereas the action episodes, I was probably more interested in as a teenager. Mm-hmm. So. Going back to intimate relations, what did you um, think of his relationship with uh, Jenna Sora? Oh yes, he had the yeah. I think it's Jenna Sora, isn't it? Yeah. It has a girlfriend for an episode. In theory, the episode is called. Yes. Um, haven't seen that episode in a long time. I mean, I'm I'm really really am due a full TNG rewatch. I got the full uh, the full journey box set. Mm-hmm. I'm treating myself that in December. Um, nice. 
it's really nice box sets. I've got all of TNG to watch. I've watched about the first half dozen episodes of season one, and I mean they are they are glorious in um, in HD. But that's an episode I haven't seen for a long time. But it's certainly an interesting idea. And if I remember rightly, it was it was Jenna herself who pursued Data, wasn't it? She'd come out of a relationship, and mm-hmm. Data was a little bit of a rebound, from what yeah. I remember. Yeah, for, uh, yeah, I think you're right. He was like the, the rebound, but also I think because that's the thing. I think Data unintentionally can uh, make himself like quite an attractive guy to women because he's he's intelligent, he's respectful, he's yeah. strong, he's like got plenty of good characteristics. Uh, yeah, going wouldn't for wouldn't let you down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You ain't got to worry about him spending all night in ten four. <laughs> That's saying he would always remember any anniversary. Oh, definitely, he's not going to forget that, is he? Yeah. No. So it's, uh, but I always found interesting just because, because that was another instance of because he couldn't convey his emotions. Mm. It was ultimately the the sort of end of it. But I think, from what I remember, some of the reactions that he got from people like Riker and Troy were very. They were polar opposites, but they were typical of the characters. I, rem- I think I remember Riker saying something like, uh, "You know, when it works between two people, it's you know more than you can imagine." He says, "Like what?" And Riker just grins and he's like, "I hope that's what you're going to find out." He's like, "Yeah," <laughs> but then Troy is much more serious. You know, you, you know, you must consider Jenna's feeling. You know, this isn't a science experiment. She's a you know a living, breathing person with real feelings, and you've got to be careful. Whereas Riker's like, "Go on, son," you know. <laughs> And that's why I loved Riker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, Troy was just, absolutely just, just a pop pop. Yeah, and Riker's just like, yeah, go on, you go for it. Uh, but, but but certainly an interesting idea. I mean, I, I mean, you can you can always look at it. And TNG was very episodic. It would have been nice if they'd carried that on for six, seven, eight episodes, mm-hmm. or you know, spread it across a season where maybe you didn't see her for very long, and then she'd pop up in an episode. And she'd still be his girlfriend. Um, yeah, would have been interesting. That's the sort of thing they probably would have done in DS9, but not in yeah. TNG. That's just uh, once again a, a thing of the times because uh, TNG was absolutely episodic. There was virtually no ongoing storylines. Mm. Like you'd get some callbacks every so often to old yeah. storylines. Yeah, but it's just something that wasn't done at that point in time, and it is a shame because. Like Voyager, there's so many things that they could have yeah. uh, pursued. Yeah. But you, you you just have to accept that is what it is, what it was back then. And though I have to say that Data had more hobbies than anybody could ever achieve. Well, he had so, well, he had so much spare time, he never had to sleep, and of course, he could learn everything. So it's like, oh, uh, okay, so I'm off duty. So a 24-hour day, you're on duty for say eight hours. Um, mm-hmm. He doesn't need to eat. He doesn't need to sleep. So he's got, you know, unless if there's not an emergency on the ship where he's working double shifts or doing the extra work, mm-hmm. he's got 16 hours a day where he can do painting or go to the holodeck or, you know. And oh, what instrument did he play? Was it the he played the violin if, no, when he when it? he was as um, well. In he the played band. the violin as as Holmes because obviously Sherlock Holmes played the violin, mm-hmm. um, and he had a, he had a go at painting and I mean reading was pretty much pointless for him because he could just like just you know read yeah. the whole collective works of of Shakespeare and like, 
well, that's the thing. It's just a question of downloading it, but then also if you wanted to have any sort of opinion about it that mm. wasn't, say, uh, very like a mechanical sort of opinion, it just download every blog that anyone had ever wrote about every, it. Every, every, yeah, everything that was ever written about Shakespeare and then analyse that as well and go, okay. Um, On average. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's really quite remarkable that he was... I don't know. I mean, you, I'm ascribing sort of human characteristics to him, but imagine if how bored he would be mm-hmm. because... Well, I'll tell you what gives, it gives you a good <laughs> insight into that is... Um, when uh, Picard and uh, Data were on the Klingon ship going on the mission to, um, what's it called? And uh, Picard was sleeping and Data's just standing above him. That's that's unification, when they're on their way to Romulus. So, yeah, Picard's... That's funny. And that's his off time. (laughs) Picard's trying to sleep and Data's just standing and then he's like, Data, what are you looking at? I'm not looking at anything. He's just stood there staring. And he says, uh, so he turns around. I'm sorry, sir. Am I disturbing you? And he's like, "What's the, what are you doing? What's that noise? I'm not making any noise. He's just there. What, what, what are you doing? Oh, I'm attempting to calculate whatever. And it's like, it's just so distracting with him being there. Yeah. Whereas if, if they'd shared quarters and it had been a human or they just went to sleep, they just would have went, good night, and gone to sleep. But he just knew he was there. Um, yeah. And his, I guess his presence there, and he's just stood there staring at Picard, you know, while he's sleeping. And he wasn't actually staring at him. No, he was just doing stuff. Yeah, it was just I'm just busy. Yeah, yeah, it would have been quite unnerving, wouldn't it? I think. Yeah, because I wonder if Data ever had the capability of uh, like being able to like obviously his job would entail making loads of reports. So if he was ever like on an away mission like that, he could just process them in his head and then just download them onto a pad. Yeah, but you never saw him do that, did you? He? he would still type things out onto a pad, I guess. But, I, th- I mean, yeah. Nowadays, it, he's got Wi-Fi. Now, yeah, exactly. It was bef- before the days of USB thumb drives and Wi-Fi and all, all you know, everything they do. It's like, what do you mean? Why, why would you have to actually deliver a pad to someone? Wouldn't you just transmit it from one pad to another over Wi-Fi? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just all, all, that, all that common stuff now. But he would still type things out really quickly, like... Whereas now... You know, he would just have a little port. He would just pull the end of his finger off, have a little USB stick on it, and just plug it in and zzz, into the computer. I um, would like to think his dongle was somewhere else. <laughs> well, well, he had other uses for that, didn't he? Yeah, but I would like to think it was more like Chrysons, just had uh, <laughs> multiple well, attachments. The attachments that he could use. I can, I can whip up an omelette. Yeah, <laughs> but it really is surprising how few people are prepared to eat them. <laughs> I remember that that, that uh, episode very well. Yeah. Got oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so uh, also another relationship where Data obviously did have feelings because he cried for him once he had his uh, emotion chip was spot. Yes. Yeah, when he found him at the end of Generations. Yeah. And, and I think that was another way of him trying to evoke uh, human feelings mm. when he first got Spot. Mm. And carry it on. I don't he, remember the I don't remember the episode where Spot first appears. I mean, I think he's probably only in about five or six episodes or something like that. I don't think he's actually in it that much. No, it, well, that's the, I think looking back, my memory has just placed him in any sort of instance where you see Data's quarters. Mm. And I'm not sure if that's just my brain just filling in the gaps. I'm actually going to look. 
and see. Uh, spot, spot, spot. So oh, he, was in, uh, he was in ten episodes. Ten. Of TNG. First appears, in, first appears in Data's Day. Is that season four? Uh, I think it is, yes. Yeah. Yes, I think it is. Um, and of course, I, w- I will read this. I don't have the full thing. Mm-hmm. And though you are not sent, actually, I'm going to read the full thing because it's brilliant. Bear with me while I. Are okay. you ready for this? I'll go for it. This isn't, uh, isn't an ode to spot. This is ode to spot. It's uh, unpracticed, so bear with me. Felis catus is your taxonomic nomenclature, an endothermic quadruped carnivorous by nature. Your visual, olfactory, and auditory senses contribute to your hunting skills and natural defences. I find myself intrigued by your subvocal oscillations, a singular development of cat communications that obviates your basic hedonistic predilection for a rhythmic stroking of your fur, of your fur to demonstrate affection. A tail is quite essential for your acrobatic talents. You would not be so agile if you lacked its counterbalance. And when not being utilised to aid in locomotion, it often serves to illustrate the state of your emotion. Oh, Spot, the complex levels of behaviour you display connote a fairly well-developed cognitive array. And though you are not sentient, Spot, and do not comprehend, I nonetheless consider you a true and valued friend. I'm not sure what episode that's from, but it's brilliant. I love that. I love that. I think that's really, really cool. Was that... I'm trying to remember which episode that was. Uh, was that the one where they... It's Schisms. Into, ah, yes. It says it's from Schisms. One of your favourite episodes, yeah. I believe. Yeah, 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 no, I've watched Schisms loads of times in the past. I wouldn't I wouldn't put that in that episode, because Schisms is quite a dark episode. Um but maybe that's one of the the sort of little lighter moments, you know. To it is pick because it up. they're in ten forward, I think. Yeah, to pick it up a little. Um, but I like that. I just I just had to read. Uh, thank you for indulging me that. But I, I always enjoyed that, and I, thought, I think that's re- that's really good fun. And uh, but also, uh, I th- I think it just gave him that connection uh, for people because people love animals. Yeah. So like to see data trying to like. Evoke them same emotions. Mm. Just gives his like, like uh, humanity, as it were, a little bit more credence. Mm. Yeah. And of course, I think we'll go on to the relationship with the whole of the crew and his friends. And what I'm going to go on to here is ultimately the sacrifice that Data makes for his mm-hmm. friends. And I'm still upset about this. It's the thing I always say when we talk about the end of Data. Long-term listeners will know I'm still upset about it. Data getting killed at the end of Nemesis. I didn't see Nemesis. It came out in 2002, I think it was, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. I didn't actually watch Nemesis until around 2011 or something like that. Not all really? the way through. Yeah, because I knew they killed off Data, and I was furious because I knew before I saw the film, I knew that's why. I didn't know much else, but I'd, I'd seen a spoiler or I'd seen something. And I knew they were going to kill off Data, and I refused to watch it for nine years. Mm-hmm. I didn't miss anything because it's it's a pretty crappy film. But I eventually said I must watch this. And although I'm I'm still very upset about the death of Data, I think for him to willingly sacrifice himself for the rest of the crew was a befitting end to Data. And I know they say all this thing where. Oh well, they downloaded his memories into B4 and all of this stuff, and then in books and comic books, he's later becomes, you know, he fully becomes comes back to being Data. Yeah, I that's, think that's a bit. That's a, as much as I like some of the books, that's not canon. That's not what happens. No, but also that's the way of that 
writer who's a fan of retconning what they see as an injustice. Yeah. If I was a, <laughs> if I was a writer, probably that's what I would have done. Probably. Yeah, it's like, I'm not having this shit. I'm writing my own Star Trek. He's back. Yes, Data's back. Yeah. But I, uh, that's the thing. I, th- I also think it was, it was very fitting end uh, to Data. I, I think that they play, as much as Nemesis is very, very crappy, mm. very crappy, I, mm. I was shocked by his death. I saw uh, Nemesis on opening night. Oh, wow, okay. So I was absolutely fresh for it, and I was gutted that they killed Data. I was really angry. Yeah. You walked out fuming a bit. Look, walk out and just like punch some. <laughs> some little kid coming out of Lord of the Rings. What's yeah. that for? They killed Data. They killed Data. They can't do that. <laughs> but no, I, I think it is. Character-wise, I think it's a fit in him because he would be absolutely willing to sacrifice himself for the ship and for his friends, especially by that point because he did have emotions and everything. Though I feel I would have felt that that was a fit in end more so if they hadn't... I think they had damaged his character by having the B4 character in there. It took away what was special about Data... Because yes, I know that Noonan Singh had had uh, like like three, yeah, at least, yeah, 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 yeah three at least uh, androids. But it's a question of for Data to be able to download all of his memory engrams and make it so that they would be able to retrieve Data puts him into the status of a computer program. Yes, and takes his humanity away from him. Yeah, so yeah. I I think yeah. they. They damaged the character for me by doing that. They would have been better off going balls deep and killing him and just, that's it, he's gone. He's gone. Sorry, we know you're upset, but he's dead. Yeah. Not sort of having that little carrot at the end. We're going, well, maybe he's not. Yeah. It doesn't work. It doesn't It doesn't have quite the same, as angry as you are, it doesn't have quite the same emotional impact because that's, like you're right, it does suggest, oh, so all those years I believed he was human, you're just saying, oh, we can just copy him back and he'll be back next week. Yeah, that doesn't work. It, it, yeah, you're right. It kills the character. And uh, that's the thing. I think that's uh, a couple of the times where I feel the Doctor and Voyager slightly falls down. Yeah, it's it's a question of well, if the Doctor ever goes wrong, fucking don't worry, we made a backup last week. Yeah, we'll just uh, do the old restore, the old uh, yeah. yeah, the Windows recovery. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. Yeah, it, which when you invert, invest so many emotions and like assign so many emotions to something that's meant to be like uh, not quite human and you see them progress and progress I, I think it does detract very much from that and you feel very like a little bit robbed yeah you feel cheated yeah definitely yeah. so top data moments and what's your first one well banging Tashi <laughs> yeah yeah I mean let's you know yeah absolutely he's is the first? It's the first confirmed bang um, of the series, and there there weren't many other. If you think of all the Star Trek series with main crew, there, mm-hmm. there weren't too many who actually banged each other. No, that we know of. That we know. Of. I mean, obviously Troy and Riker, but yeah, that had happened before, and they end up getting married, so that's okay. Um, not too many that was actually seen on screen and as part of canon. So yeah, mm-hmm. he banged Tasha. Yeah. 
Yeah, it could have banged anyone. Would it would have been cool, but you know. Denise Crosby. Uh, Tasha Yaw wasn't a particularly brilliant character. She wasn't written very well, but come on, Denise Crosby. Even oh. now I would, and back then. <laughs> Definitely. <Yeah. laughs> Since it's the 24th century, and obviously things are very much more, you wouldn't even consider them liberal because it's just open then. Do you reckon Data and Geordie got it on? <laughs> um, when, I think at one point, did I read that they were going to make Geordie gay, but they decided not to? I don't know. I've never read that. Yeah, I think I might have read. Maybe someone, someone might have made it up. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't well, have even thought that at that point in time, you need to define yourself as either gay or straight or anything. Maybe not. Maybe oh, not. Maybe behind closed holodeck doors, you never know. You, you never know what happens. What happens on the holodeck stays on the holodeck. And with that fucking action. Yeah. Jordan would have to be very careful with the stipulations to make sure that there wasn't no sort of no, like skin peeling. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, have a have a very good safety word. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Uh, my obviously we've already discussed it, but uh, measure of a man. Yeah. Is yeah. like one of Data's like top episodes. I also enjoyed it when. He was uh, having the nightmares, and he was having to uh, uh, like try and figure out the the meaning. Oh yeah, we, where we saw Nunians, which is obviously him, well Brent Spiner, mm-hmm. um, and he had the the bird's wing, and he was the hanging Deanna on an arm. Yeah, and Diana Cake and all of that. Yeah, that's um, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. And he was flying around the ship and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't remember the name of that episode. I'm off. trying to remember it off the top of my head, but I can't. I can't remember off the top of my head now. Um, but that's an interesting one. Uh, one I like, and this a lot of people don't like this episode. As I've met a couple of people who do, um, and it is season seven, but it's masks. I'm not a big fan of masks. No, I know a lot of people aren't. Yeah. I just I think the concept is interesting. Oh, right, the execution isn't, and I just think Brent Spiner plays the parts. I think he plays them really well. It's a typical season seven episode, and that. In a season seven, really does start to look quite tired. Um, mm. There are some, there are some good ones in there, and it ends spectacularly uh, with all good things, which I love. Um, I have watched that on Blu-ray. I wasn't going to go in order; I skipped straight ahead and watched all good things on Blu-ray, uh, as as well as all of the extras, and it ends incredibly. But it's a typical season seven episode, but I actually quite enjoy it. I think it's maybe more for more for Brent Spiner than for Data, mm-hmm. but. I do actually have a guilty pleasure for that episode. Yeah, no, I I can't fault Brent Spiner's performance because I, he was asked to do so many characters and make them so defining. Yeah. Even if you think some of them are kooky or whatever, yeah. it's he does. It, no other actor in uh, that series would have taken on that challenge. Yeah. So I I got to take my hat off to him. Another episode that I really like, revolving around Data, was him having to cope with the uh, the uh, coming to terms with his own death and figuring out and solving it in Time's Arrow. Oh yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, I'm I'm funny with some Star Trek episodes because I'm. I, I do quite like Time's Arrow, but I don't hold it up there as being as amazing as everyone does. It is fun, and it's interesting, and it's great when um, 
obviously with Mark Twain or Samuel Clemens uh, shows up. Um, but I think as overall plot-wise, it's quite weak. But the whole the whole loop of Data's head and having mm-hmm. that whole the way it finishes at the end, you know, and yeah. and the head gets left behind. That is really really clever, and I really do like that. The rest of the episode is a bit of fun and a bit quirky, and it's a little bit here and there for me. But that you write that whole way they they tie up that loop and bookend it is really really nicely done. I'm I'm not sure if I like that more so just because of how much I like Back to the Future. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, no, I I just think it's it's a, even though it is a very fun, very quirky episode, but it's it, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. it. I wouldn't say it's up there in my top episodes, but I def, it's one that I never miss and always have fun when I'm watching it. Oh yeah, I wouldn't. I would definitely wouldn't skip it. Mm-hmm. Definitely wouldn't skip it. Um, I think Brothers as well. It's a really good episode. It's one of those. So that's very early season four so we've just we've just had the Borg encounter we obviously go straight into family which is mm-hmm. a very heavy episode post Borg um, and then I believe the next episode is brothers obviously we have law and we get to see Nooney and Sung which is of course Brent Spiner playing a very very heavily made up uh, version but obviously we see the emotion chip there we get to see his father we get to see data just take over the ship in auto mode, which is really really cool, mm-hmm. um, and 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 some lovely scenes between the three of them there, and even from Law when Sung says I'm dying and Law turns and you can see the look on his face is what 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 do you mean you're dying you're fine you're fine There's, no, you're fine look at you it's okay really really wonderfully played so yeah um, I, I I I think that's one of my top data moments top data slash Law moments yeah no definitely I would go with that. I go with that, and I think we've uh, done uh, data uh, like uh, a decent amount of justice. I think so. I, th- I think we've uh, covered him quite well. If anybody's got any uh, thoughts and opinions, favourite moments of uh, uh, data, then by all means, uh, either tweet us or go onto our Facebook page or leave a comment in the comment section below. Uh, because we love hearing everybody else's opinions as well. Yep, or go to the forum at forum.checkmatefamily.com or send us a postcard. Yeah, uh, we also ex- uh, accept smoke signals. Yeah, semaphore. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, by all means, get in contact. Uh, if you uh, want to tweet us individually, uh, you can uh, grab me on Twitter. I'm at WayneTheGame. And you can catch me, I am at Mark Stamper. Excellent. Uh, so, uh, Mark, uh, I hope you'll join us again at some point in the future. Uh, I'm sure Mark I will. Permitting. I'm sure I will. Excellent. And it's been an absolute pleasure uh, podium with yourself again. It's been awesome. Thank you very much, Wayne. So, I've been Wayne Emery. And I've been Mark Stamper. And that's Trekmate. Space, the final frontier. Well, life as a geek is kind of laid back. Ain't nothing like an OS that I can't hack. I actually know the difference between PC and Mac. Thank God I'm a Star Trek boy. Well, every time it's on, I can't help myself. I set the DVR even though they're on my shelf. I've seen them all many times. They're good for my health. Thank God I'm a Star Trek boy. Well, I got me a phaser. Got me a triple when Kirk's on the tube. I just have to giggle. Life ain't nothing but a space opera riddle. Thank God I'm a Star Trek boy. Well, the vote's still out for Picard or Kirk. They both have their strong points. It all kind of work. One likes to talk and the other's just a jerk. Thank God I'm a Star Trek boy. 
Well, the Enterprise D looks like a lot of fun, but classic is old 1701. Both had torpedoes and a phaser gun. Thank God I'm a Star Trek boy. Well, I got me a phaser, got me a triple, and Kirk's on the tube. I just have to giggle. Life ain't nothing but a space opera riddle. Thank God I'm a Star Trek boy. Mr. Data, warp speed, please. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. Chocolate is a serious thing. Greed is the purest, most noble of emotions. Make it so. Well, there's TOS, TNG, DS9, and Voyager, you see. Enterprise and the cartoon series. Thank God I'm a Star Trek boy. Too bold to go where no one's gone before. Going on adventures, strange new worlds, and more. I love every hour I'm a trekkie to the core. Thank God I'm a Star Trek boy. Well, I got me a phaser, got me a triple, and Kirk's on the tube. I just have to giggle. Life ain't nothing but a space opera riddle. Thank God I'm a Star Trek boy. Beam me aboard. Energize. Energize. Yeah, the movies are good. The evil one's the best. I watch them all because I like the rest. Every single one puts the crew to the test. Thank God I'm a Star Trek boy. Now spending all my money on merchandise. I bought another collectible against my wife's advice. But seriously, to me, it's worth the price. Thank God I'm a Star Trek boy. I got me a phaser, got me a triple when Kirk's on the tube. I just have to giggle. Life ain't nothing but a space opera riddle. Woo! Thank God I'm a Star Trek boy. Interface complete. Beat me up, Scotty. I can't get no powder, Captain! Kirk to transporter room, report. Ahead, warp factor four. You've been listening to the TrekMate Podcast. Would you like to get a hold of us? Visit trekmate.org.uk and boldly go where no podcast has gone before. Make it so. Prepare to attack. All hands battle station. Don't worry. We will get to the bottom of this. All right. As is a tall ship and a I don't want excuses, I want answers. Am I authorized to enter the neutral zone? How do you think that tells me about your character? Captain's log, stardate 3541.9. Program complete. Enter when ready.